Hello, this is Brace again, and I'm uh, responding to you on my Cattywampus uh, podcast, which I'm thinking about making just into a, a, a journal or a blog of my own while I'm working out kind of the kinks of my podcast, as well as just kind of uh, getting back in the habit and practice of speaking and writing and, and just kind of talking about the things that uh, are of interest to me and finding topics that are relatable not only to myself but to the audience that I'm trying to attract. Again, my podcast is about trying to inspire um, a group of people that are similar to me in kind of uh, charting their own course and finding new directions and paths and banding those people together with me as we kind of try to take on these challenges together. Um, I think that my podcast can be kind of a Guiding, guiding light for them, or at least kind of a, a directional path where I've looked in this direction, and if, if wrong, you don't have to look in that direction. So uh, I'm really excited about kind of just being uh, vulnerable here and sharing some of the things and learnings that I'm um, currently um, uh, exploring or have already experienced and now sharing them here um, in this space. Uh, today, I just really want to talk about um, I took this leadership course um, through uh, my uh, online uh, university, uh, which is my alma mater, uh, the University of Illinois Springfield, and it was just to kind of refresh my memory on leadership itself, kind of get more of a foundational and a, 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 uh, a, uh, a structural approach at looking at leadership, and that way I can take that, you know, very concrete uh, definition and put it and apply it to um, some of the experiences and some of the topics that I would like to kind of explore further. Um, over the past week, um, since the last time I spoke with you, um, there's been several things that um, have just come to light um, that I thought, wow, that's a really, really interesting place to kind of look at or something that, you know, I just saw in, in kind of uh, my own experiences. Um, one of them was uh, we were all watching the NBA Finals over the last, uh, I guess, what, two weeks now? And we saw um, in game three of the finals, at the very end of the game, with about 10 seconds left in the game, we saw um, the NBA logo and the, arguably the best player in the world, um, LeBron James, walk off the floor. Um, and I thought that was really, really kind of interesting. Um, just kind of if you look at some of the past experiences, LeBron walking off the floor, uh, who he is as a person, what he means to the game, what he means to so many different players um, that are either in the NBA today or uh, coming up into the NBA or into the college ranks. Him having that um, kind of expression of, of a dissatisfaction or emotion um, and how that um, you know looks and shapes and and maybe even kind of explore kind of uh, what's what might be going on <laughs> inside his head um, at that time I also had a, a, a interesting tweet um, from a, 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 a retweet I should say from a friend of mine who retweeted a, a prominent um, uh, social activist uh, who works in uh, the field of advocating for uh, frontline workers and people who are 
uh, you know, right now, especially um, in the thick of kind of some of these different uh, catastrophes that we have going on here in the United States um, with, you know, the, the coronavirus, as well as the fires out in uh, California and some of these other really, really uh, national, broader national issues. Um, she, the, re, the tweet was essentially kind of advocating for more policies uh, for uh, parents who are staying home with their children or trying to work and parent at the very same time. And um, that's something that totally I can get behind and I think there is a lot of room to discuss and, 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 um, and reshape and rethink what parenting looks like today versus some of the things that um, are, were in place or put in place over the last, I would say, half a century. Um, so I thought that that was really, you know, um, bold and, 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 and necessary. Her voice was necessary in that regard. However, at the very end of the tweet, she added this piece of, uh, of like almost kind of condescending about men and fathers not necessarily experiencing or feeling kind of the same pressures um, as say a woman would. Um, and you know, not to really kind of delve into her, her tweet as, as much, um, I can and I probably will at another time but she really kind of made this, this distinction <laughs> with the last bit of her tweet about you know, men um, not necessarily um, parenting or feeling the, the brunt of policies that women do um, in the workplace. And you know, for me, as a stay-at-home parent, a stay-at-home father, a, a, a man who um, has been in the workplace and has uh, advocated for things, but more so from a point of a father who has, um, you know, experienced <laughs> a lot of uh, just kind of isolation and, um, um, you know, um, uh, divisiveness when I've taken my, my toddler to these different play groups and play uh, areas and, you know, museums and things where it's really dominated by women. Um, and, um, you know, for me to, you know, try to make friends with some of the women, it's awkward uh, for them. Um, and it's also kind of also no one necessarily encourages me into that, that space as well. So it's been a really uh, interesting uh, and sometimes very saddening um, experience that, you know, there's this, um, divide. I've even had it to the point where, you know, I've had people ask me, you know, why don't you just work? You know what I'm why are you here kind of a thing? And I mean, I mean, this is real stuff. Um, sometimes I go into places and I'm the only male there uh, with my son. Um, and, you know, at first that really, really bothered me. Um, I mean, it really bothered me. But um, after a while, it just it made, it made my tie to my, my son that much closer. Uh, because, um, you know, I just had to, <laughs> not only for, for, my, for my own sake, but for him. Um, and so um, I found that to be something that I, I think is um, dis discussable, if that's a word. <laughs> that's something that we should actually explore a little further. 
Um, and I've really been reading on that as well. So I'm looking forward to talking about that at another point. But today, what I thought I would give a couple of minutes on is um, I just, like I said, I just finished this leadership course and I was really, really um, excited about kind of just kind of how far my understanding and kind of the exercise of just learning more about leadership from a very, very um, theoretical and ideological standpoint. And one of the things that I thought was really um, interesting is that uh, the premise of leadership, the very, very core, at the very, very core of leadership, um, there's this thing of the leader has to be able to galvanize people and he has to be able to galvanize them around some values that that leader um, exhibits, uh, maybe uh, just kind of inherently uh, demonstrates, uh, but also can effectively communicate them to an individual um, and be able to get them to kind of buy into a, a greater mission, a greater vision. I've seen this in the Marine Corps, and actually when I was in the Marine Corps in boot camp, they actually t teach you this, that um, the mission um, you know, is, is critically important uh, for the, 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 the Marines to understand and the leader to be able to communicate and get those, those Marines to um, you know, follow and buy into. Sometimes it's just using your rank, right? Sometimes it's just, hey, this is the pecking order and this is how it goes. But that doesn't always facilitate a great camaraderie, especially when you're in a very hostile situation like war. So you want to have, you know, a better communication with your troops, with your, your teams, with your employees, with your spouse, with your children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the way that you do that um, and the thing that I thought was really, really just interesting and maybe it's simple, but, I, you know, um, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's actually not simple in practice, but it's the trust. It's, uh, there's, there's that trust. It's that trust in kind of what that leader is exemplifying, what that leader is uh, placing emphasis and value on, what that leader exudes. Um, can you trust it? Is it authentic? Is it, is it, is it, is it notable? Um, so who can you trust um, and who is trustworthy? And perhaps that allows for you to be able to get behind um, some of the things that may be difficult kind of in theory to understand, but it also might let you be able to kind of spur new ideas and be able to go forward even further um, in areas that you are very, very versed in. Um, so I, I, I thought about that today and it was like, what makes someone, whether it's your, you know, your relatives, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbor, worthy of your trust and your faith? Um, and I think that's, that's interesting. I looked up some things online and in a recent paper uh, published uh, in the September issue of uh, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, uh, Dr. Um, I can't say his first name, but <laughs> Levine uh, and colleagues report that there was a series of experiments with the conclusion that guilt proneness um, is one of the strongest predictors of trustworthiness. 
Um, and furthermore, that the association between guilt proneness and trustworthiness appears to be meditated by the individual's sense of responsibility. Now, let me start with a definition of what trust is um, via, um, let's see, this site is, is via um, um, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. So trust is important because it is, allows us to form relationships with people and to, to, let me start over. Trust is important because it allows us to form relationships with people and to depend on them especially when we know that no outside force compels them to give us such things. But trust also involves a risk that people we trust will not pull through for us, for if there were some guarantee that they would pull through, then we would have no need to trust them. Let me say that last part again. So trust also involves the risk that people will trust that the people we trust will not pull through for us. For if they were some guarantee that they would pull through, then we would have no need to trust them. See, there's a difference between trust and trustworthiness, I think that's there. To trust someone is to allow oneself to become vulnerable, to potentially almost be exploited by that person, whereas trustworthiness is the propensity to fulfill another's um, implicit or implicit expectations uh, of something. So um, to be trustworthy is to recognize that someone's expectations um, you know, are important enough that you feel responsible to fulfill them for them. Whereas trust is that, hey, I don't know where you're gonna go <laughs> with anything, but I'm open to, you know, you know, to what you may share with me, what you might, you know, have for me. I'm open to those things, um, but I, I, I'm really not sure where that may be, right? I'm really not sure that, you know, um, what you're telling me is true, but I believe you because I trust you, right? That's, that's kind of a, a, a way to kind of think about it. Um, so to be trustworthy is then to just have this, you know, to recognize you know, another person's expectations of you, right? That, hey, this person believes in me enough that they will follow me, so I need to be trustworthy to them. And for that to happen, the person that's being trusted, right, um, has to have a level of guilt, um, not shame, but guilt uh, that, uh, that they, they, they don't want to cause any additional harm, that they don't want to uh, relapse on any wrongdoings that they may have had in the past. Uh, it's the expectation that if um, there's any guilt in the future that they want to seek, they, they're going to seek to avoid it at all costs. They don't want to go any, in, in any direction that way. Um, and that's, that's a part of having being trustworthy um, I think about this and I thought this was really interesting because um, I had a role um, in one of my former jobs as a, um, a steward as a leader 
of a, a, of a, um, a group within the organization, um, a demographic. And in that group, I was the leader and I was set to, you know, drive the, the mission, you know, set the vision and, and drive a mission. And I was so young in my career that I really didn't understand kind of the propensity of it all. Um, I, I didn't understand the followers that were in there and I didn't understand kind of the overarching um, value that that, that that group played in the organization. Um, it was so many little things that I can kind of think back on, even as I'm speaking right now, kind of, of little things that, you know, shows that I wasn't ready necessarily for that leadership model. Um, however, the thing that really stands out to me and that the reason why I'm talking about it today is that if I was given that opportunity again today, I can see myself doing a lot better <laughs> than I did that first time because of the fact that that first time, I think I, 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 I messed up so bad, or today I feel like I, I, I messed up so bad that I actually feel like if I was to go into that role again, I would have a different um, humility, a different um, type of uh, awareness, a different type of um, execution than I did that first time, um, which um, I think would lend that it would give me a certain level of trust from those people that I did not receive that first time around. Um, and so I think um, it's, it's interesting as, as we go into our careers, as we become um, you know, husbands and wives, as we become uh, more um, senior and our kids uh, become their own person, um, how are we looking at trust and how are we looking at being trustworthy? I think that's just something uh, interesting to explore further. So with that, you know, I just want to leave you with that thought. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to my podcast. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and leave them for me. Uh, but with that, I say good day and have a good one. Take care. Hey, so welcome back. This is the third episode of Braces Podcast. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to stick with the name or even call this a podcast. Uh, it might just turn out to be a, a journal that I have that I can share with the rest of the people who are interested in learning a little bit about myself. But welcome again. I thank you for taking a little time out of your day to listen to me um, talk about things. And uh, today I want to share with you just something that I, um, I thought about this evening as I was uh, writing in my journal, um, I thought about this question of what are my good qualities? And you say, well, why would you think that? So, uh, I was, you know, like most people these days, I have a therapist and my therapist um, and I are starting to build a relationship. I've had a lot of bad therapists to get to this therapist. Um, so I'm very thankful for her and I'm actually thankful for the ones who were bad. Uh, that allowed me to get to um, this one. Now, not all of them were bad. One of them in particular, um, while we are not, I'm no longer her client, um, 
she was very instrumental to me in a, at a very difficult point in time in my life. Um, and we just, you know, it just didn't work out towards the end. Uh, but I still got mad love for her. Um, um, and she's just a really special person to me, her and her family. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's like a lot of things in life, you know, in seasons and things like that, stuff changes. Um, um, but not necessarily the relationship, just kind of that working part of it all. Nevertheless, this therapist I got today, um, we were um, discussing some things about kind of just kind of, um, you know, qualities of myself, like what would I say are good qualities of myself that other people would say, that's something that I could use or I would like to have around me um, or just I could see, embrace that I, you know, I can appreciate. And um, it's very hard for me to kind of talk about things that um, are about myself um, or just kind of, you know, making light, uh, not making light, but necessarily, um, you know, describing who I am as a person and what are the attributes that make me um, unique and, and different from someone else, uh, whether they are positive or negative. I definitely can find the negative ones, um, but the positive ones have always been um, troublesome for me. So I started thinking about this question of um, what are some of the good qualities that, you know, I have that I can... Um, that someone else would want to have around or I could share with somebody else. Um, and I thought about this in, in, in the 2020 uh, uh, eyesight version, not 2020 the year, but uh, in 2020 hindsight. Um, and I thought about this one experience that I had. Um, I was in 2011, I was um, a first year in business school at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, go Badgers. Um, and I had, I was, uh, I made, I had a routine of every Tuesday and Thursday <clears throat> walking on State Street, uh, if you're familiar with Madison. State Street is the street where, you know, just about every restaurant, bar uh, that you could think of in Madison is at and where, you know, literally all of the, the, liveliness of the campus happens. Uh, it's a really you know, fun area. Um, you know, lots of, you know, just just bars, <laughs> beer um, everywhere. And but just also it's a good place where people fraternize and just kind of come together on State Street. Um, it's got a lot of history there, too. Um, but in this, you know, particularly I used to go to this Star Starbucks that was on um, State Street. Um, and I used to go on Tuesdays and Thursdays because it was before I had like a sort of like a late um, morning on those days uh, for classes. And so I was able to, you know, get up, uh, get to the bus stop. Um, I lived, uh, uh, actually it's funny, I lived uh, down by the, uh, the St. Mary's Hospital, um, if you're familiar with Madison, off of South Street. And um, a few blocks away, um, had to be, I'm not necessarily sure exactly where, but a few blocks away from where I was at, uh, Russell Wilson, was for his one year at Wisconsin, he was over in that area. Um, I'm not sure how far east he was of South Street in St. Mary's Hospital, but the reason I knew that he was somewhere <laughs> east of me was because every now and then I would see him ride past, um, you know, my bus stop, um, on his, he had a scooter, 
<laughs> and he also had a, um, a, a white BMW, I, it was, I think it was white, uh, that he, I would sometimes see him drive past me or ride past on the scooter on his way probably to, uh, you know, the uh, training facilities there. But nevertheless, um, as I was saying, I would take my bus from, you know, the bus stop off of, uh, that was nearby South Street, uh, take it to campus, I get off right at the business school bus stop. I would then walk across the street, go over to State Street, and go to that Starbucks in there, and I would get a coffee, and then I would, uh, you know, bring it back to uh, the school and, you know, get ready for class. And I did this, you know, I mean, I, it was maybe for the first couple months. Um, and then one day, <laughs> the uh, manager um, had approached, you know, I was, I was getting my coffee, and I was saying bye to the barista, and the manager, um, you know, came running around the corner and she stopped me and she, 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 you know, I mean, maybe this today probably wouldn't be, would be frowned upon, but she, she, she just said, oh, wait, wait, wait. And she grabbed my shoulders and I'm thinking to myself, oh no, I didn't steal this coffee or anything like that. And she, uh, stopped me and she said, has anybody ever told you, told you that you have an infectious smile? <laughs> and I, I didn't know what to say. I said, no, no, nobody's ever said that. And she's like, oh, my God, you have an infectious smile. She said, uh, would, you, uh, would you be interested in working here? Um, and her name was Julie, and I, I don't remember Julie's last name, but um, she had been manager at that Starbucks for over 20 years. And uh, she's like, would you be interested in working here? And I said, um, well, you know, at the time I was like, I was actually interested in working for Starbucks out of coming out of business school um, because of some of the things that I had read and some of the things that they kind of, you know, embraced in terms of values um, and things of that nature. And um, I said, well, you know, I, I don't know if I can, you know, saying business school says that we can't work or do anything outside of, you know, the school for the first year. And um, I, she said, well, you know, oh, man, that's that's too bad. Well, if anything ever changes, please, you know, come back. And I, said, I would love to, you know, see, you know, have you work here with us. And, man, I, 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 that just made my day. Because I, <laughs> I was already thinking about working for them as a company. And then for her to say that, um, it just kind of, uh, it was kind of like this uh, star alignment for me. And, um it was really kind of just a really nice thing for my, well, I don't know if it was a Tuesday or a Thursday, but it was just a nice way to start off my morning. Um, and so I share that story to say that um, one of the good qualities that I think I have for myself is, you know, one, I have an affectionate smile, uh, <laughs> but two, um, that I am consistently opted, or I have been in the past consistently optimistic. Um, consistently happy uh, and I'll I, I share more about that right now so at that time um, my aunt who is my mother's uh, older sister um, and somebody that you know means the world to my immediate family and my immediate family would be at, or at that time it would be my mother my brother um, myself and um, my stepfather uh, my aunt um, was is so integral in kind of uh, my upbringing. Um, 
my mother worked, you know, a, a lot of jobs. She um, she had to too because of the fact that you know she was a single mother, um, and she didn't really want me to have less than. She always wanted me to have as greater than, and greater than was as best as she could. Um, and so she worked a lot, and she was you know um, always trying to you know do more for me. Um, and she always found ways to be consistently happy with me. Although, you know, she was going through so much. And her, I could tell, um, even when she was like trying to be happy, she was going through a lot. Um, and I didn't know <laughs> what she was all going through until I got much older and she shared it with me. But she was always, um, you know, she always, you know, found a way to joke about something, play, you know, play around or, you know, laugh with me. Um, and just find bright spots in, 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 in the day or in the week, um, given everything she was going through. The things that she couldn't always do for me, uh, my aunt would step in. So if I needed school clothes at the beginning of the year, my mother didn't have it, uh, my aunt would step in and buy them. If my mom, uh, uh, mom couldn't, you know, you know, uh, you know, she had to, you know, you know, take money to do Rob Peter pay Paul, as she would say. My aunt would, you know, also loan her money so that she can, you know, take care of me and um, my brother. And so she was just always kind of like that second mom for me. Um, and so she, she means a lot to my, me and my family. And uh, during that time in 2011, my aunt had been battling cancer. And my aunt had been battling cancer for, man, at that point, some almost 20 years. Um, I mean, cancer really ravaged her, her body, um, starting from her breast and just working its way through. Um, and it just, you know, at the point when 2011 was around, um, she was really, really, um, you know, losing weight um, and just, you know, hair, you know, from the treatments and everything like that. But she too, <laughs> she kept a, a really positive attitude, you know, all things considered. Um, and so at that time, I, you know, I was just, you know, I was up in Madison, you know, her and my mother were down in Chicago and, um, you know, uh, my aunt was going through some treatments and, um, and during that time she had, they had given her a, uh, you know, a short window to stay alive. Um, and at the time I just, you know, probably didn't even want to believe it. Um, and so I just pressed on and she kept, she would tell me to press on. Um, but I just kept this really upbeat attitude about things just because I felt like, ah, you know what, she's going to beat it, you know, like she's done all these, these years, she's going to beat it. Um, and, uh, man, she just, um, she was just, you know, so inspirational uh, to me in terms of her just grit and determination. And so, uh, you know, I, I kept that you know, going on in my, in my um, you know, head you know, during that time. And so um, just being able to kind of see that and think about that, that, hey, even during that time, <laughs> and I was getting my butt kicked in school at that time. Um, I was in a, you know, the finance program at Madison, and I, you know, I wasn't a finance dude. In fact, I probably would have been a better marketing person <laughs> because that involved a lot of creativity, and that is something that I am really, really uh, good at in terms of kind of thinking about kind of the emotional connection and the, the um, you know, the demographic connection of products and people and things. 
Um, but, you know, I took the finance route uh, <laughs> because of the fact, one, they gave me the opportunity to join their class through the finance program. But two, because I've, I, I had in a previous job, a, a, a guy had told me um, who was very successful venture capitalist that finance is the language of all companies. And if you can learn finance, you can do anything in a company. And I thought, man, that just makes so much sense. <laughs> a little bit, I know that, you know, you also have to kind of be able to um, really, really kind of get to a deeper level of understanding of um you know, financial instruments and economics, um, all of which, you know, I, I, I definitely have an appreciation for and I definitely understand, a, a, you know, a hell of a lot better than I did in 2011. Um, but to say that I was going to be a CFO of a company, I don't think that was ever going to be the case. <laughs> but can I, can I have a whole conversation about finance and kind of supply and demand and things of that nature? Yes, absolutely. Um, but is it something that I would you know, want to delve deeper at this point? No. But nevertheless, um, I was getting my butt chopped um, in the program. And uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, you tie that on to, you know, the fact that, hey, I'm not doing that well in the program. I'm not really kind of, um, you know, having the success that I, you know, envisioned my, for myself. Um, and then you know, on top of that, my family um, is, you know, facing some really hard um, circumstances and yeah you know what I'm saying for me to go in there with that infectious smile that she she um, um, listed uh, and she she shared with me um, and that I never had heard anybody say yeah that was um, pretty big so I share that story um, to say that you never one that you never know who's all watching you and two uh, the qualities that people um, like about you may not just be from a very skill or tactical point, but they may also be just kind of very, um, very subtle um, in, in a lot of ways and things that people just um, have a hard thing to time to doing, which you may become easy for you. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I feel good about sharing that. Um, I hope you got something out of that, too, if you're listening. Um, thank you for taking the time to listen, and um, I'm going to sign off. Thanks again for listening to my podcast or my blog, or one day we'll figure out what this is. Um, but until then, uh, thanks again, and I'll talk to you later.